Well, good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at uh, one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is bounce back after a failed negotiation. We're, unfortunately, Christina's over in... Uh, Greece today, so we won't be having a chat with her, but I'm going to have a look at uh, a, a report that was recently released, What Causes Business Failures. But right now we're going to have a chat with Jason Kolevsky, who's a business mentor. We're going to talk about some of the issues facing small business. Good afternoon, Jason. Hello, Julian. Thanks for having me on board. Well, thank you for joining us. So, so what are some of the common issues facing business owners and leaders today? Look, Julian, I think uh, probably the biggest thing, and there's, there's a few things that really come to mind for me, but the biggest thing by far is the reward that business owners are getting for their effort. And when I say effort, I'm talking about not only the time that they put into their business, the stress that they put into it, but also the risks that you take on board. So, as you know, mate, you know, small business owners, we take on risk. Mm. Uh, we put our family homes on the line quite often. And I think for the effort and energy and time that people are putting into their business, the rewards are just not there for them at the moment because there's some changes that they need to make and it's not working. Um, a couple of other things that really spring to mind are the impact of the internet. So people are, you know, they're reviewing people before they buy on the web. Uh, in some cases, if it's a retail business, you know, people are shopping online and this is causing a real issue for a lot of uh, small to medium business owners. So I think those two things are the, probably the ones that spring out the most. And then finally, which I think is uh, quite common, is employee engagement. Uh, we, can, we can blame the Gen Xs and Gen Ys and Gen Zs and whatever the Gens are that we like to talk about. The reality is, though, Julian, that from, from my experience, um, employees are just not engaged because there's a lot of choice. And at the same token, from a leadership perspective, we need to change the way we're leading our team members in order for them to be completely engaged and give us what we're looking for, but also provide them with a future and somewhere where they enjoy coming to work. Yeah, we won't get a discussion on uh, the generations because I have my own <laughs> views on that one. But uh, uh, does this uh, these issues look any different when there's a family that run the business? Yeah, look, I think they do. And interestingly, Julian, um, I think it's on the Family Business Australia website, they talk about that 70% or more, I think mm. it's around 76% of all businesses owned in Australia a family-owned business. So, I mean, that to me, when I found that statistic out, was staggering. Mm. The thing that I think is is different in a family business is probably twofold, and then they're probably, you know, two sides of the same coin. On one side, um, you know, they've got all their eggs in the one basket. So instead of, you know, one partner being out there employed by a separate business, nothing to do with this business, um, and then, you know, the other partner's running a business, and therefore you go, okay, well, we can spread our risk because you're earning an, a, a neutral income from someone else, and I'm providing over this end. Whereas when you've got a family business, and quite often if it is a husband and wife run team, then everything that that family earns from an income perspective is heavily reliant on one business. Um, at the same token, on the flip side to that, the positive is that when you have family that are, are running a business, whether it's brothers or father-son or mother-daughter or husband-wife, whatever the situation might be, you have this level of commitment and this desire to make it work and win almost like I've, I've got your back sister kind of kind of thing because they literally are family members and the, the level of unparalleled support and commitment towards each other that the way they go beyond what you'd normally would in any any business um, is quite different. So I think there's two sides to that coin. On one side, if they're from the same family, uh, same household, I should say, 
then they've put all their eggs in one basket, so it's even more paramount that they get the business working well. Um, but on the other side, in terms of engagement, you really get this family-orientated connection in the business, which is hard to replicate culturally if it wasn't related business people. Do you think you get that same commitment in the second and third generation family members? Yeah, look, it's interesting. What's the saying, Julian, that um, uh, the, the first generation starts at the second generation makes the wealth and then the third generation breaks the wealth or something like that. I'm not yeah. very good at quoting these things. Um, I think the commitment's the same, although perhaps sometimes what happens is as you go further down the tree, um, you know, the, the, the true purpose of why it was started, that, that initial passion and connection, you know, there's nothing mm. like a, an owner being connected to something that they truly started from the heart and for a reason, that mm. sometimes that can get diluted and it purely becomes a business function more as a tool. Um, and, and that's not to say that there's, you know, many businesses out there where third, fourth, even fifth generation people are even more passionate about making it work. It's just that sometimes it can get diluted. But I think that's that's more up to how that family tells their story as to why they did what they did. And mm-hmm. you know, if, it was, if it was granddad that started it, you know, many moons ago, then what was his story? And try and keep that alive. And I think the essence of that can be quite special long term. What would you suggest are the uh, top three things our listeners could focus on to make the biggest impact on their organisations now? Yeah, look, I think if if you're looking for something that you can take away right now and not have to think, well, you know, I have to buy something to do that or I have to invest in some tools and technology, uh, purely, literally, you could do it this afternoon. Three things that I would suggest is, number one, get clarity. Take a moment to stop, reflect, spend time in thinking about, you know, what do you do that you do really, really well? Um, you know, what does your business really want? Like, what do you as an individual really want to get out of the business? Um, and, and how can you do more with less? You know, quite often we accumulate things as, as business owners and leaders where we tend to do a lot of things and be responsible for things, um, yet at the same token, um, they're not necessarily the things that we're truly passionate and skilled at. So number one is get super, super clear what you really want out of the business, and I'll highlight the word really. Uh, the second thing is what I call SMP. Uh, S for Sam, M for Mary, P for, P for Pam. So service, market and price. So get super clear on what are the services you're truly providing, who is your ideal market to receive those services and what price are you charging for the different levels of service. So I'll give you an example. Some people might just provide a particular service to a whole range of clients at the same price. Whereas if you can articulate what is it the different segments in those markets, so there, there might be a client of, you know, calibre A, calibre B and calibre C, um, and that's not necessarily price-related. That could be uh, service-related. What will I give each one of those three different segments of the market so that they're truly receiving the service they're looking for, and what price do I charge that at? And I truly believe that when you've got the formula right between how the interconnection between the service that you charge, the market that you're servicing for those services, and the price relevant to those, those two areas... When you get the formula of those three things working well, the business always works in a, in a what I call it's buzzing. Mm. Um, the alternative is, you know, if you're providing great services to a variety of markets that aren't truly aligned to that and therefore your price is not right, you're going to be doing a lot of work and not getting much revenue out of it. Mm. Uh, conversely, if, if you're providing the same service to the same sort of clients and, you know, um, your pricing strategy is right, well, then you're just going to be what people call, you know, in inverted commas, busy doing a whole bunch of stuff, servicing a lot of people, 
but why aren't we making more money? It's because we didn't charge a premium service and price to a certain market that would demand that and need that. We're just giving everyone a one-shop-fits-all. One uh, one so, so from that perspective, I truly believe that the relationship between service, market and price is a formula that everyone needs to get right and that, once, once again, it doesn't cost money to do that. You just need to sit down and analyse the data in your business. Yeah, and then the third thing that I would suggest is um, be, be where you are. I mean, you know, if, if, you, if you want to catch fish, well, then you need to be putting your, your line in a pond where there are fish. You know, there's no point taking your fishing line to the swimming pool because you're never going to catch fish. And that might sound silly, but, you know, in this day and age, if your clients, you know, and you're really clear on what your clients' habits are, if they're online, then you need to have a strong online presence. And that's not just a website. That videos, they say that videos these days are, are getting far more traction than anything else. So you need to be talking to your clients there. Um, on the other side, if, if it's a retail store and you're not in a shopping centre, yet that's where all your clients are. Well, you need to invest and be in the shopping centre. Um, and then conversely, if, if all your clubs, are, if all your sorry, if all your clients are in a premium club or a sporting group or something like that, then look at how you can be part of that. Whether that's through sponsorship or becoming a member. So I truly believe whether it's online or offline, you need to hang out wherever your clients are hanging out because they're the things that are going to help you to build true relationships and it's through that level that you'll understand what their real needs are and then deliver them those services. So there are three tips. So the clarity, review your SMP, service market price, and be where your clients are. They don't cost money. They just need you to be focused and clear on the right spot. And you mentioned several times the uh, online. How do you think the digital world we live in will change the face of business over the next 10-odd years? Yeah, look, good question. And, and, you know, you and I have previously spoken about this before, Julian. (laughs) If only we had the crystal ball. So this is purely just my gut feel and instinct. I think with so much social media presence, um, there's a lot of pressure on expectations of when speed comes. So when, you know, when I want something, I want it in a hurry. So everyone knows that this day and age of the internet and the digital world, everything's happening so quickly and people are reviewing things and we want things faster because, hey, even 4G internet's not quick enough for a lot of people these days. Mm-hmm. So I think speed. And then from that um, comes, I believe, more anxiety because we get anxious when something hasn't arrived or haven't got that service yet or... You know, they said they respond to me um, ASAP, and ASAP used to mean within two days, and now it means within an hour. Twenty minutes, yeah. Twenty minutes, yeah. So, so I think um, the more we can we can look at, okay, how can we use the digital world as a tool, not as a way of living? I think what will happen over the next ten to fifteen years is people will start to get a strong realization that, you know, face to face relationships are very important. Uh, you know, we can we can see snippets of people's lives on online. However, it is just that it's a it's a it's the you know the twenty second short you know quick reel of you know this is what we look like. But at the end of the day, it's the relationships that are built. And I always say to people, Julian, nothing can replace face to face. So I yeah. think yeah. So I think over the next ten or so years, we'll we'll have a bit of a convergence where people think yes, we are using digital and internet as a tool. However, the importance of true relationships and having that real human connection will be something that will become so much more paramount because I think we're missing in that already. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Jason. We'll have a chat with you again another time. Pleasure, absolute pleasure. Hope you got some value out of it. Thank uh, you. Listeners. Thank you. Bye-bye. Jason Kolevsky there.
some issues facing small business, but some, and more importantly, some tips there that will help us. And as I said, Christina's not with us today, but uh, I thought I'd fill that little section in with a very interesting report that I saw on LinkedIn yesterday. Um, over the uh, past four years, the University of South Australia's business school has been collecting data and uh, th- through the Australian Centre for Business Growth, they surveyed 650 CEOs and asked them uh, why their small or medium companies failed. Interesting enough, 11% of the CEOs blame problems with family members or partners and 134 of those CEOs said they had experienced a business failure. Most blamed lack of leadership and poor management. Others admitted being blindsided by fire, drought and regulatory changes, while still more said they simply had not understood the company finance. So I think there's two main issues that popped out there for me, particularly for small business. And I want to address those two issues, problems with family members and business partners, and secondly, not understanding finances. So the first one, problems with family members and business partners. Um, I've worked with many uh, companies over the years and uh, often it's not the business problems that are the issue, it's the uh, communication problems within the business or within the family. Um, You've only got to have uh, uh, disagreements between uh, family members and uh, the business quickly goes off track. Well, more importantly, with business partners, um, I remember one situation where I was uh, coaching a partnership and uh, I had one partner whispering in one ear about all the problems with the other partner and the other partner was whispering in the other ear and this went on for months because they just wouldn't communicate with each other. So uh, it always gets back to communication and uh, Jason just now hit it right on the head. We need face-to-face, we need to talk things through, we need to uh, uh, ensure that uh, our messages are getting across. Uh, And the second one that was addressed through their failure was not understanding finances. Well, 25% of businesses go out of business because of poor money management, pricing and not getting paid and too many small business people I think close their eyes to the finance by saying my accountant will handle that Um, so uh, many of them don't do their bookkeeping properly and as a result they really don't know whether their business is on track or off track Um, we do have to keep our bookkeeping for the uh, tax office but we really only have to do that once a year and that's not enough we don't do our bookkeeping for the tax office we should be doing it for focusing on our business getting paid on time getting our pricing right and we've talked before on the show about the three pricing emotions your resistance to price the customer's resistance to price and getting paid and interestingly enough, the, uh, the small business ombudsman is carrying out a survey at the moment and looking for input from small businesses on people that are paying them late. They're trying to, to establish what late payment is and how long pe- small businesses particularly are getting paid. So if that's you, if you're one of these small businesses that are not getting paid on time, go and have a look at the Small Business Ombudsman website and take part in their survey. 
We've got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one bounced back after a failed ne- negotiation. Sometimes, despite your best efforts, a negotiation doesn't go your way. Perhaps a customer pushed for a steeper discount than you wanted to offer, or a potential client went with a competitor's bid in the face of disappointment. How do you make sure your reputation isn't damaged? First, don't panic. More often than not, there will be more opportunities in the future to retry your case. And even though you don't win on the terms you came to the table with, there may be some unexplored upside that you haven't yet considered. Great negotiations find value and benefits in unexpected places. The important next step is to be transparent with your employees and managers about why this round didn't go your way. They'll appreciate your honesty and help you spot missteps so you'll be more prepared the next time around. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to chat with digital advisor Kimberly Claire Campbell about issues with your online solutions. We'll have a minute with uh, on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law in you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as the Dalai Lama once said, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.